This is AudibleGate. The journey to a fair deal for authors and narrators, with your hosts, Jacob and Jason. Bringing you the real facts and people behind this truly mind-blowing cluster And on the seventh day, God created this guy. All right, and with that, we have come to the last platform that I can recommend you checking out if you're interested in getting access to audiobooks online for free. And this one might not come as a surprise. It is Audible. And wow. Now, personally, I have a love-hate relationship with Audible. Of course, they offer a huge variety of books, which is obviously awesome. But then again, you have to pay for a subscription and you only get access to one book a month. But since Audible, just like a lot of their competitors, offer a free month trial, there's a lot of opportunity to gain access to a lot of free books here. And so... God bless us, everyone. God bless us, everyone. Hello and welcome back to the official AudibleGate podcast, supporting the equitable rights movement. Ground control to Major Jeff. <laughs> yes. Bezos in space. I cannot say hurrah with any more enthusiasm. Ground control to Major Dick. Jason. What? Dick is short for Richard, the first virgin in space. Uh, uh, uh. uh Touche. Touche. That's Tukas in Yiddish. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're moving on, folks. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> indeed. So this is our last episode. So mm -hmm. after six months and seven episodes, this season of the Audible Gate podcast and mine and Jason's involvement in it is coming to a close. Yep. However, dear listeners, do not despair. This podcast will continue in a new format for season two, with a new crew taking on the helm of the USS hashtag AudibleGate. <laughs> the USS? Yeah. United States of Sexy. <laughs> oh, God. I'm not going to miss this. <laughs> no, I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll miss the whole thing. So today we have a special guest. Oh my God, you got him. Him who? Bezos. Still in space? Well, he came back. Or did he? Touche, touche. Tukis, Tukis. Oh God, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? It's a lady. Oh, do I know her? Why? Yes, you do. It's the return of Susan May. <laughs> You mean Susan May, the Australian author who broke the initial story of the glitch where this all began, who started the hashtag AudibleGate campaign, who founded the Equitable Rights Movement, and six months on has not shown the slightest sign of doubt and is more fired up than ever before. Yeah, Susan. Hi, Susan. Welcome back. <laughs> so thank you for, for being here. My pleasure. Let's just dive straight into our first question, which is essentially from where we started with AudibleGate back in October 2020, and Audible have changed some practices, as have ACX. What do you think about those concessions that they've offered us so far, and obviously the new dashboard that we have, now that we've had time to look into it a bit more and study that data over a few months? Well, look, a few people rejoiced and said, wow, this is fantastic, look what we've got, and they kind of all went back to business as usual. But this is smoke and mirrors that's going on with Audible. They knew they had to give us some of those concessions. So, for instance, that seven-year exclusivity contract was, mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned and the lawyers, it was illegal. You can't lock 
us into seven years contract. That's a breach of the antitrust laws, that kind of exclusivity for no reason whatsoever. So, that was never going to stand. So, the minute they knew that we were really pushing, that's why that crumbled so easily. That You know, when you're in negotiations, the other party gives up things that don't really mean anything to them. Right. In order to avoid what they don't want to give up and to put a barrier between you and the truth. And so that's what they've been doing. So they've given us that seven years. We should have got that anyway. That was going to tumble very quickly and it doesn't look good for them. So then the other concession was showing us the returns and then limiting the returns to anything over seven days that they would wear and we'd still wear under seven days, well, yeah, that's good. But that's not good enough because those returns, the ones under seven days, they're still returns we shouldn't be paying for. We believe that we should only pay for true returns and that is returns where Mm. it's an accidental purchase or it's less than 25%. We think that's a fair amount. You read a quarter of a book and you think, I'm just not interested in this book. Okay, we can live with that. You know, that's a fair thing so that readers will take a chance on a new author, as Audible likes to say. Sure. You know, but this still seven days. And then on top of that, note that Yes, okay, we can see returns and they call them qualified returns. You know, what's not qualified? I mean, the whole, that's ridiculous terminology. (laughs) Like qualified, not qualified. Based on their qualifications that they determined in-house without talking with anybody else. Okay. No, they didn't have any discussion. They just decided it. Somebody came up with that and called it qualified returns. You know, some of these terminology is, yeah, is a problem. We think, well, we need to know all the returns. So, suddenly, yes, we have noticed a huge amount less of returns because they're covering Mm. the balance after seven days, but we're entitled to see those, but they're not showing on the dashboard. So, Mm -hmm. that's a bit strange because I feel like if they did show those, then we would know what our returns were last year and the year before that. And we would know how much they truly owed us for running this little quasi-library scheme that they'd been running at our expense. So, yeah, we've got a little bit happy. Let me say 10% happy. Even the implementation of the dashboard was, I don't know, can I say It was You can say that. So subpar. (laughs) Yeah, it was subpar. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they promised it was going to come at a certain date and that it would include certain information. Now, that date came and... Well, that information wasn't there because their new and improved version of it didn't appear, right? So, it was lagging, to say the least, right? And so, what's the state of it now? Well, interestingly enough, they waited until the very last day that they could implement it. And it's been 125 days since then. And behind the scenes, there's a lot of emailing, there's a lot of back and forth, even with Audible. So, I've been working with Orna Ross of Alliance of Independent Authors, and we've had a few discussions with Audible and emails regarding that update and asked them what's going on. You know, like this wasn't what you promised and it's quite a poor attempt (laughs) at transparency. And they actually wrote back and said, yes, things didn't go to plan as they'd hoped. And this was somebody (laughs) in, yeah, I know, right, in senior management. And And keep in mind, this is a company that supposedly has data scientists there by the bucket load. They gather data. They have the 
top algorithm in the world, supposedly, that can data mine their customers, but they can't put columns into a spreadsheet. Look, Excel isn't so intuitive. You know, <laughs> they, they're special courses for Excel, guys, you know. I know. They need it. They want us to believe it's a difficult thing, right? And, you know, we know it's not difficult. It's where there's a will, there's a way. And there's it's very clear there's no will with these guys. And they purposely, mm. they delayed it when they could have done that very quickly. They claimed that, unfortunately, the rollout didn't go as planned. So, they talked about having, you know, the free promo code column because- yes. There was a lot of confusion with authors who used these promo codes. So, these were these free codes that were given so you could give your audio book to a listener and they would do a review for you. So, you were given a certain amount of these promo codes. It used to be you were paid for them. They changed that about 18 months ago and you didn't Mm -hmm. get paid. But we wanted a promo code column because it was mixed in with all the purchased audiobooks. So, you could look at a month Uh, and think, oh, wow, I've sold a lot. And then you get your payment and you didn't sell 100, you sold 10 because the rest were your promo codes. Right, right, right. So, you're looking for clarity, which is the same thing that we've been looking for the entire time. Yeah, if you lump it together, it's not giving an accurate picture of what you're actually doing. It can't be that difficult. So, they claimed the reason there was no promo code column on launch was because the site crashed because so many people went to look at the new dashboard upgrade that their site couldn't handle it. (laughs) Their company is one of the companies that is owned by Amazon and Amazon also controls a huge bulk of the cloud services in the world. Amazon Web Service, yeah. Yeah. Right? So, that doesn't make sense to us. So, anyway, that wasn't very good and they wrote back to us and they did tell us back in May, and I just had the email up, that they were hoping that within a few weeks, now this is back on the 21st of May, that that promo code on the sales dashboard would be implemented. And, of course, that hasn't occurred because we are now in (laughs) August. So, there you go. So, they're not good true to their word. I'm just like so shocked about that. So, yeah, it's um, it hasn't been very good. You know, when we started this journey with Audible, I never for a second thought we would come this far or we would need to come this far. I honestly, I was so naive. I'm just this little writer person over in Perth, Western Australia, and I just thought, hey, we'll just send a few emails to them and they will negotiate with us because they'll be too embarrassed, they'll, they'll realise authors are too angry and that they need to sort this out. But, of course, I had no idea that this is the normal way that these Amazon companies operate. This is how they build monopolies and this is how they dissuade anybody from questioning them. So, they will make it so that you don't really know what's going on. They send you these uh, cookie cutter replies. Everything is very opaque Mm -hmm. and you have to keep asking the same questions and then a bot answers them basically. And then they'll say to you like, you know, this email that we got that says, oh, in a few weeks, we'll fix that. But what they really want to you to do is just go away. And I've seen this now because we've followed all the fights with Amazon over the last 12 months, you know, where they stole the mm-hmm. 
tips from the drivers and you read what the drivers say or the unions say and this is the same behaviour. That's exactly what they did to those drivers. It's a pattern. Sorry? It's, it's a pattern, a, a recurring pattern. A of, pattern, yes. And yeah. they do it with sellers. Yeah. I'll translate the British ling- lingo. Um, it happens again and again, okay? It's yes. a pattern. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> so what's happening on the legal side of Audible Gate at the moment? Well... The legal side, I don't want to talk too much about the legal side, but I will say... What, what, you, because, can, what you can say. What can I say? Uh, well, what look, can you I say? Did, I sent out an email to the people signed up to our Audible Gate email list a couple of weeks ago and just let them know what was happening on the legal front. We have had a bit of a stall because obviously we've got to pay these attorneys that have agreed to help us mm-hmm. are very enthusiastically agreed to help us because they have said to me they can clearly see that it's illegal, their behaviour, and it's it breaches US antitrust laws, mm-hmm. the way they created the monopoly and how they perpetuate this monopoly and continue to do so. Right. So, um, but the thing is we have to pay them. We're not at the point where we want to or can form a class action. Okay. That doesn't mean we're not going to in the future because I think we can, the lawyers think we can, but at the moment what we actually want to do is stop Audible from doing the things that they are doing, you know, from still creating these returns and all the other terrible behaviour that they've been involved in and we want them to stop the monopolization of our industry. It's very dangerous how I see the future if we don't win this. But we have to raise some money to basically create a legal memorandum to show how this monopoly was created. And there's a lot of research has gone into this, a lot of it by me, a little bit by Colleen. And there's some stuff that we haven't told anyone and it's, it's quite frightening what they've done and what they continue to do. So, that needs to be created. Now, we need to raise some money for that. And it's not a huge amount. We probably need to raise about 60K. And then when it comes to the legal case, it will probably only take us a few months to get this memorandum done. We've got some very, very smart attorneys working on it. And yeah, that's that's the future. I can't really say more than that. There's a lot of strategies going on. It's quite fascinating, actually. Comparing now to where we were 10 months ago when we first spoke to you discussing the glitch and how AudibleGate grew slowly but surely and then suddenly exploded out of everything that was happening, what do you feel about the way that we have expanded from being, you know, you and a few other people in a Facebook group to now being quote-unquote real-world situations that are happening and things that are changing because of what you started? How do you feel about that? Well, sometimes overwhelmed because I'm not a lawyer, but I've become an expert on US antitrust laws. I have read so many cases and, you know, looked at them and see how they compare to what's happening to us. And I've read those ACX contracts backwards. I could recite them uh, at bedtime if I needed to. Uh, but I'm, I'm, it's, it's mad because I'm an Australian and I didn't even really follow in-depth American politics. And now, because of the lawyers that are involved or the attorneys that are involved with us, I actually understand a heck of a lot about 
politics. You know, I, I'm quoting attorney generals and I've mentioned Lena Khan, who is the Federal Trade Commissioner mm-hmm. Chair, yep. several times in conversations a week because one of the lawyers who was working on our case has now gone to work for her as a legal advisor. So, suddenly... It's become like this bigger thing that I didn't realise. And then in speaking to the, these attorneys behind the scenes, I can actually see what they're setting up, which I can't reveal. But the conversations that I've had are very far-reaching when it comes to antitrust laws and attacking or going after these tech companies. And Amazon is definitely in their site when I read between the lines. And even in the news, you don't have to read between the lines. They've stated that they're looking into them. And there's already been a legal case brought by uh, the Attorney General in Washington against Amazon about the treatment of sellers, which basically mm-hmm. that's what we are. We're sellers on an Amazon company yeah. and some of the issues that are there. So, I'm really amazed at where we've ended up. I, who could have seen this? It's like a movie mm-hmm. that suddenly kind of the White House is involved and all sorts of things are going on. And I will say that when we started this, the political climate in the US wasn't as against big tech and big companies as it suddenly has been. It's quite crazy that literally within 12 months, the feeling and the temperature around antitrust and how there's some big holes in it, the way it's used in the US and the laws around it, there's a lot of talk about amendments being made and that big tech can't be allowed to proceed the way they are. And I feel that what's happened with Audiblegate is a perfect example of how a monopoly is built and maintained and it's like a blueprint. And I think if we can create this legal memo, it will be great ammunition to show how it's done and why mm. it has to be stopped and why the laws have to be beefed up over there. You know, here's an Aussie telling the Americans how they should kind of run their antitrust laws. <laughs> but, you know, part of the reason that I'm still involved in this is whatever happens in America with these tech companies, because they're mostly US tech companies, right? Yeah, they're going to affect everywhere else. Yep. We said that in stereo. Great minds think alike. There you go. There you go. Great minds. <laughs> Just along those same lines, like, do you think Audible Gate? should be a blueprint for all of big tech that is going to transform how these big tech businesses are steering their ships. I know I asked this question in our first episode, and I'm going to ask the same question again to see if you have anything yeah. more that you'd like <laughs> to share about it. But what do you see as being the end game? When we started this, all we were talking about was returns. There was a problem with returns and Audible mm-hmm. was doing something that didn't seem right. And then as we went along and we investigated it, we started to realise there was more going on, that there was mm-hmm. actually some fraud involved. They weren't paying us correctly according to the contract. Like the contract says they yep. would pay us a certain way and they weren't doing that. So, we discovered that we were getting paid less. There was a bit of trickery going on there. And then as I've investigated more, I've become really concerned about some of the things that are happening in the industry that I've never heard of happening in the book industry before. For instance, Audible is now buying the rights to books completely. This started in 2018, I discovered. So, they would go to an author and they would say to them, I want the ebook, the paperback and the audiobook rights, but they wouldn't release the ebook and the paperback. Huh. So, the only way you could read this book 
was to listen to it on right. Audible. Right. The only way. And, of course, because they bought it, it's not available in libraries right. or anywhere. You can't buy it in a shop. That sounds like they're monopolizing. <gasps> it does, right? <laughs> Being the classic British monopoly expert that I am, that sounds like a monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a big move, right? I mean, people need to start looking at this with Audible. In 2018, they bought their first book that way. And now they're doing it all the time. They're doing it in every country. I heard from a rights lawyer in Melbourne that they bought a well-known Australian author. I don't know the person's name. I don't know the author. But they bought the complete rights for a reasonable sum, but not a huge sum. This is complete rights forever, perpetuity. So, that is it. Mm -hmm. You cannot buy them back. Like a normal rights are a grant for X amount of years or your lifetime and then it gets reverted back, right? But this is different. This is Mm -hmm. they own it. So, if they go out and they keep buying content and they keep monopolizing that content, eventually they will control culture. Think about it. It sounds crazy, but they then have these algorithms that kick in. So, when you go on Audible – You keep getting recommended books. So, there's a choice of all these books that they say you might like this book based on what you've read before. But the recommendations will be sometimes 60 to 80% of their own books that are only available on Audible. Hmm. And and then throw that in that the things that their studios now offer if you want to sell your book to them. So, all you have to do is go and have a look at Audible Studios' website. And when you look there, that's also very concerning because on there, they claim Audible has direct access to millions of listeners. We match them up with Audible Studios' audiobooks we think they'll like and put the next great listen right at their fingertips. So, they're saying, we've got the emails. They're the only ones. So, that's why we're competing. Every time you load a book up there, you're really competing more and more with Audible, but they own the platform. And this brings me back to the whole antitrust issue. They should not own the platform, own the studios making products that then compete with independent sellers like us and even the trade publishers. That should not happen. They shouldn't own all of it. It's too dangerous because we've seen what happens now. They've created a monopoly that can't be stopped unless it's stopped by enforcers because no competitor can rise up against that. It's impossible. They have unlimited money. And unless we keep fighting and keep trying to point this out to people and get enforcers involved and having a really good look at how dangerous this is, the future is not bright for our entire industry. The future remains very big and a little scary, (laughs) I would say. As one of the attorneys said, Amazon should never have been allowed to buy Audible. That's yeah. too much of the market. and, I, and That's too much, guys. <laughs> it's too much. And someone should have said to them, no, you can't do that, and said no. But it's, it's, it was a different political climate at that stage. Yeah. And I don't think anybody could foresee the growth that was going to happen in the next you know, 10 years, which it has. And now mm-hmm. they've got to look at what can we do. And that's what's been happening with the new administration. They're looking at the antitrust laws. They're looking at all these tech companies and they're saying, oh dear, we really have to yeah. put a team in place and work out how to stop these companies behaving this way because it's not right that one company can have unlimited money because Audible 
doesn't have to make a profit because Amazon has the money or let's be honest, probably the cloud service has a bulk of the money. And so, they've got that big bank sitting there and they can just go and buy all these books. Well, all their competitors can't do that. They can't have these the equivalent of Audible Originals and and all these exclusive content because they can't afford that because they have to make a profit. Right. So, these companies right. that have these monopolies, are they making a profit? Do they need to make a profit? This is the thing that has to be asked. This is what these agencies need to find out because we don't want to turn around in 10 years' time and realise that there's very little at the library <laughs> That, and people should have access. Every mm. book should be accessible at the library. It's a part of culture that if you can't afford a book, you should be able to go to a library. A child should be able to have any book, access to any book. And they can't now because of what's going on with Audible. They cannot do that. And that can't be allowed to stand. And we have to fight that as authors as well. This is about culture in society and allowing a company like Amazon to control what we listen to because they create this loop that you get into Audible and even Amazon, you know, ebook sales as well. And they keep recommending their own books to you. Now, are they good books or are they not good books? Because those books they're recommending are usually because they will make them more money. They're more not money. books. Yeah. yeah. And they're not books recommended by the person down in your local bookstore who loves books and has read a lot of books and who knows you and says, hey, you're going to love this book because it's a great book. They're not thinking, oh, how much will this book make my store? But Amazon's algorithms are weighing that all up. And that is the great danger. And I might sound like a crazy person talking like this, but I've done a lot of research and I've seen a lot of stuff in the last 10 months since Audible Gate started. And I feel like my opinions are based on some very, very solid information. And there's some very smart legal minds in the US that think the same way. I mean, I think it's really true. And I think it's an Amazon thing. It's a Facebook thing. It's a Google thing. These tech conglomerates mm. are just gathering, gathering, gathering. But I think you're right that it's particularly dangerous when it starts infringing on culture and mm. learning and education as well. It's a much bigger question, which we could go on and talk for hours at length about, I'm sure. <laughs> Easily. But Susan, yes. I'm afraid we need to wrap this up. Of but course. it's been fantastic to have you back on and thank you so much for revealing a bit more about what's going on with Audible Gate and how far we've come and ultimately how far we want to go in the future I think yes it's a, a really interesting and like you said slightly scary and nervous time but fingers crossed the right thing will happen yeah, absolutely. And we've been quiet out in the general public for the last three or four months, but there's a lot has been going on behind the scenes. I mean, I still haven't been able to do any writing or do anything because I've been working on this. I spend a bulk of my time emailing with different people, speaking on Zoom calls with lawyers and honour and all sorts of people. Mm. And so, there's a lot going on. So, don't give up hope if people are listening and they're thinking, oh, well, it's all blown over. It hasn't blown over. This is just a new phase that we're going into or the next phase. And there's a lot more work being done than can be seen. So, yeah, hang in there. I'm not stopping. I've spent too much time working on this and it's too important. 
So hang in there and listen out for what's coming up next. And I would also like to say, guys, thank you so much for the time that you've given to us with the podcast. It's been fantastic listening to each and every podcast. You're very talented. Thank you. And as I (laughs) have said, probably the most professional podcast in our industry. It's just fantastic. So all the best for the future. And I thank you for season one. Thank you very much, Susan. All the best to you. Yeah. Thank you. And everybody, listen in. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Susan. Okay. See ya. Bye. Take care. Bye. There we are. That's it. That's the end of season one, episode seven. Jacob, what do you think of this? You know, talking with Susan May, coming on board for this, watching everything develop and open up. And now we have the possibility of some legal movement, you know? Yeah. What do you think about that, man? You know what? I think it's been really interesting and now it's also exciting to see how far this journey has come in the past six months you know you and i susan colleen noel ava orna william and finishing it off with susan again there you go we've bookended it with susan may so we've learned something we hope you've learned something we hope that you are going to make some decisions that are more financially advantageous to you at the end of the day, for one thing. Jacob, some final closing thoughts on all of this? Yeah, so just wanted to really say thank you to everyone for listening to us and following our chatter and the interviews and the stories that we've been sharing. And also to say good luck to the rest of the team as they move forwards. We will be following and keeping our eyes out. And also, I will name no names, keep it a surprise, but also for the upcoming Mm -hmm. hosts and producers of season two of the podcast, which is already underway with production. So all the best to everyone there. And we hope we're going to stay in touch with everyone. Absolutely. All right. Lots of love to everybody. To you, my British brother. Thank you. If you'd like to read more about AudibleGate, please visit audiblegate.com, where you'll find further analysis into the growing situation with regular updates, including Susan May and Colleen Cross's original blog posts. And please share this podcast on all your social media with hashtag AudibleGate to keep the momentum going. This is a serious situation with potential legal and financial ramifications, and it's really important we reach as many people as possible. Thanks to Orchestralis and Serpent Sound Studios for the music and quotes used in this episode. This has been a J-Squared B-Cubed production. Written, directed, and edited by Jason Lasky and Jacob Daniels. This has been Audible Gate. <laughs>